Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the ninth Sunday after Trinity, August 1st, 2021, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 15, can be found on page 112 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 15. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out of the, into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I looked at this passage over and over again this week, wondering what the intersect was for us today, and wondering how we should look at it. Now, the obvious point of emphasis, especially as it is connected with our gospel lesson, is on Holy Communion, on the, on the person and presence of Jesus Christ in the way God provides for the church today. Jesus discusses how it was God who provided miraculously for the Israelites in the wilderness when they cried out for food, and then he proclaims, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
And that's all well and good, and we'll get there eventually, I promise. But the question that kept popping up in my mind that we should not overlook this morning is why? Why would God do this in this way and especially at this time? Before we can understand and appreciate the manna in the wilderness and how it points us both to Christ and to His body and blood and Holy Communion, we need to do a deep dive into God's mercy. Because if we miss that, we'll never understand the why that helps us appreciate the what. And so for us this morning, it all starts with the grumbling of the Israelites. To fully appreciate exactly how brazen the grumbling of the Israelites actually is, you have to look backwards seven verses from the start of our Old Testament lesson. That's it. There's not a lot of history I'm importing into here. Seven verses. Exodus 15.21 says this, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. For those of you who grew up going to Bible camp, I'm sorry. That tune will get out of your head eventually. For the rest of you, just believe me, okay? Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. That was seven verses ago. Seven verses ago, the Israelites emerged from the Red Sea completely dry. Seven verses ago, the, is the uh, Egyptian army was drowned in the water. Seven verses ago, the Israelites were still singing praises to God and writing songs of triumph for their deliverance. And now they're grumbling. And to top it all off, this isn't even the first time they grumbled. Exodus 15, 22 through 27 is all about them grumbling about their water situation. If you want to see the dictionary definition of the phrase, what have you done for me lately, this is it right here. The whole congregation stands an entire nation delivered by the mighty power and outstretched arm of God, grumbling to Moses and to Aaron because they're hungry. That seems bad enough, but the reality of the situation is much more dire than we realize on the surface. The grumbling of the Israelites is actually a front for blasphemy. That's when it really gets serious. Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that we, you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Why have you brought us into the wilderness to die? Would that we were back in Egypt next 
to the meat pots. Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. The ungratefulness of the Israelites caused them to doubt the goodness of God, to question even His motives in delivering them from Egypt. In effect, they're saying, yeah, it was bad when we were in Egypt. I get that we were slaves, but at least we had cheeseburgers. That's what it amounts to. Think about that for a moment. It's an astounding thing to complain about. It's an even more astounding thing to complain about when seven verses earlier they were walking onto dry land from the bottom of the Red Sea. It's even more astounding to think about when you realize that the meat pots in Egypt weren't even a daily thing. People in ancient times didn't eat meat on a regular basis. That sounds awful to me. But they didn't eat meat on a regular basis. Meat was a treat. It wasn't normal. So you take that, you add the fact that they're slaves, meat would have been extremely rare. And as their bellies grumble, the only thing they can think about are the rare occasions when the Egyptians would deem them worthy of having meat some of the time. As their bellies are hungry, literally all they can think about is Christmas dinner or Easter, well, I was going to say Easter ham, but we're talking about Jews here, so probably not. Easter duck. We'll go with that. Something like that, right? They're thinking about maybe two meals out of the year. And they're questioning God's motives because as soon as they emerge from the Red Sea, they're hungry and they don't know what to do about it. This is a complete misuse of God's name and an abuse of His character. And it is something that we are all prone and tempted to do. When we lose sight in our own lives of God's history of grace and mercy and replace it with our need for instant gratification by questioning Him during a time of suffering, we are preparing ourselves to break the second commandment. And here's where it intensifies even more for us. Because the grumbling and the blasphemy becomes an excuse for direct disobedience. God responds to the turmoil Moses and Aaron must be experiencing even before Moses and Aaron have a chance to cry out to him. God says, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. The grumbling of the Israelites isn't a matter of simply whining or being worried about their food situation. It comes down to a matter of trust in God and obedience to His law. And what we have here then is a matter of moving from the second commandment to the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. 
And if there's one explanation from the small catechism you all should have memorized and readily available for you to ponder, it's this. We should fear, love, and trust God above all things. Now God, being God, recognizes this is the problem, so he decides to test the Israelites' motives by answering their complaint. But God already knows the answer, and so do we. Move beyond the end of our Old Testament lesson for a few verses, and we see it in action. The Israelites refused, almost steadfastly refused, to listen to God's instruction. As the manna rained down from heaven every day, they first tried to take too much manna. They tried to be gluttons with what God had given them. And the manna they had left over rotted and was filled with worms the next day. On the morning of the Sabbath, when God had specifically told them to gather double on the sixth day, some in the camp of Israel tried to go out and gather manna on the morning of the seventh in direct disobedience to God's law. The Israelites, in their sin, are not interested in listening to God or trusting in Him. They're interested in satisfying the cravings of their own bellies. Really, they're interested in satisfying the cravings of their sinful flesh. And all of this sinful behavior is mirrored in our own lives by our own sinful behavior. Every sin we commit is our effort to depose God as the King of the universe, to demote Him to our butler, and to have Him come only when we need something. And then to have Him go back downstairs with the rest of the servants. And with all that in mind, focus on God's response. Because God responds with mercy. We have to be careful here. We have to recognize that at times God responded to other sins of disobedience, to other stubbornness of the Israelites with judgment and condemnation. We're about to see it in just a little bit here in Exodus and over again in Numbers and then during the time of the judges and then during David's reign and so on and so forth. God often responded by judging the Israelites' sin with plague, with war, with death. But right here, right at the moment of their greatest deliverance, right at the time when they are looking with hope to the promised land, even before they sent spies into Canaan, here God responds with mercy and He responds with patience. And He responds by meeting their need in a way. God provides for them not what they wanted, but what they needed. God provides them with lasting nourishment. The manna would actually fill their stomachs. Every day they would be able to bake enough bread. 
But the quail, in fact, it was more than enough. But beyond that, God provides for them by nourishing them spiritually. In the manna, he was preparing them and anyone who would be paying attention to this passage for Christ. And this is the exact point where we need to stop and think about our own lives. You see, every time we sin, and every time we grumble against God, as I've already mentioned, what we're doing is we are breaking the first commandment. We are openly questioning God's ability and His willingness to provide for us, to sustain us, and to be our God. And every time we do so, we are worthy of God's judgment and His wrath. (coughs) Excuse me. And judgment is coming, just as it was later in Exodus, and then in Numbers, and then in Deuteronomy, and then in Judges, and then during David's time, and then with the prophets. Judgment is coming, and it will happen. (coughs) But this time, right here, this morning, and every Sunday morning, God meets us with his faithfulness, with his patience, with his goodness, and his grace, and all of the blessings he intends to give us. Because in the midst of our sin, and in the midst of our grumbling and our disobedience, God doesn't want to condemn us. He wants to forgive us. And so he comes to church every Sunday morning with mercy. And as we come to church every Sunday morning with our sin and our disobedience and our grumbling, we come to church and we don't get what we deserve. We get Jesus. Jesus is the seal and pledge of everything that God has and does. Jesus is the sign and the assurance that we have that God will continue to provide for us. Jesus is the bread of life. And we, as his sinful children, spend most of our weeks forgetting about that. We spend most of our weeks rejecting that. And yet we come back again Sunday morning and he meets us here. And we are not condemned. We are not struck down. We are met with his mercy. And he satisfies every Sunday our most basic and fundamental need. Not a full belly, but forgiveness of sins. And in satisfying our need for salvation and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, God meets that need over and over and over again. The tragedy in America, the tragedy of the church in America, is not the places in the church that have abandoned God's word. That is tragic. The tragedy of the church in America is not the rise of the prosperity gospel. That is also tragic. 
The tragedy of the church in America is that so many even Bible-believing churches have deemed that the gospel is necessary only for those who need to be converted. The tragedy of the church in America is that if you're an unbeliever, you get the gospel. But if you're a believer, you're told to behave. But God, in his grace and his mercy, continues to give us Jesus Christ. So here's what I want you to be thinking about for the rest of this morning. You are about to receive the Lord's Supper, the literal bread from heaven. And every time you do so, I, as your pastor, invite you to examine yourselves. This happens with the words of exhortation. This happens with the prayers. In fact, the entire liturgy from beginning to end is an invitation for you to confess your sin and to know your sinfulness. But this morning, especially this morning, I want you to take that invitation seriously. During the hymn that follows the sermon, during the confession of sins, even during the confession of faith, during every part of the liturgy until you personally walk up to the altar and receive the body and blood of Jesus for your forgiveness, examine yourselves. Run through the Ten Commandments. If you want more help, there's a section right at the beginning of the hymnal that is for the examining of yourself before communion. Whatever you need, do it. And be asking yourself, what do I deserve? How should God respond to my sinfulness, to my disobedience, to my grumbling, and to my doubts? And then, as you approach the altar, you will have your answer. God will respond. And he will respond in exactly the same way he responded to the Israelites in our Old Testament lesson this morning. He will give you the bread of life. He will meet you this morning with the body and blood of his son who died in your place that you might be forgiven. So as we finish this morning, examine your hearts, confess your sins, and be prepared to be forgiven. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.